You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Yeah, they do. <laughs> What's going on in the real estate world today, guys? The real estate world, how about the real estate week? It's uh, she's still ramping up, it's still uh, out it's and, busy. Out oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's the same, it's the same. Inventory's low, rates are great. Uh, it seems like it's, it's, I mean, there's a few more things starting to come on faster, but uh, and they're also going. Um, I had two new listings last week, and we had. Boy, by Sunday, we listed them like Thursday and Friday, and both of them had 15 to 20 showings uh, on them. So, and I mean, in different, I mean, bigger price ranges too. So, yeah. What, what are you I've seeing? I've kind of seen the same thing. <laughs> Before we snugged up here uh, again, uh, we had, uh, I think it's three new listings that came on this week, and they're up and they're down right away. Um, it's It's been uh, a real, um, coachable opportunity, as I would say, with, with customers. You know, the reality of the marketplace is um, fast-moving, high-paced. Um, the, uh, the buyer coming in still wants to get a bargain. Um, the seller wants to sell at top dollar. And the sellers right now seem to be winning the game a little bit. Um, it's a strong seller's marketing. There's about, I don't know, there's about, I gave the, the analogy the other day, we were in a bagel shop. And I said, imagine this bagel shop being in peak hours having the store full of people wanting to buy bagels and only having half the bagel racks full. And I said, and they're not putting them on sale uh, or they're not, uh, you know, charging extra. They're just, they're, you know, they're available, but you got to fight for them. So what do you do to get their attention to get that last bagel is kind of the trick. And so you have to be a little crafty. You have to put all your ducks in a row, make sure your financing's lined up, make sure you're swinging the cash in the hand if you can. Um, and, and, and how do you make yourself the most attractive person to sell that bagel to? And, and I'm telling you, it, it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's so true because that human nature of competitiveness and, you know, like I'm starting to see Courtney where um, possession, like um, one of my sellers just really favored an offer because they like the fact that the buyer coming in said, hey, we'll give you guys 48 hours to move out of the property before, um, after closing. So, you know, hey, take your time, no problem. And my buyers loved it because that was one thing that took a little pressure off of them as a seller. That's, that's pretty incredible. Like that's a, that's something that I've never heard of doing, but I'm not, I'm also not the real estate expert on the client side. Yeah. I think you have to, I mean, you got to figure out what the hot buttons of the seller are and whatever way you go. And I think what Andy was just saying is uh, it's different too. And so then it stands out, you know, I mean, it's not unusual. People ask for, um, a longer possession date, um, whether or not they they get it, that doesn't happen too often. But when you have a buyer that's forward thinking like that, or an agent that's helping them um, yeah. think like that, it just makes it differentiates yourself, you know. And and then it's all of a sudden it's like, well, gosh, they're willing to do this, they're willing to do that. I know their price isn't quite there, but if you're a listing agent, then you say, well, let's. I mean, those are good. Let's go back and ask them if they can do the price, and and make it work. We just had another one too that uh, on the purchase agreement it states whether or not you know how earnest money is going to be dispersed if there's a, a an issue later on 
and uh, you can just go financing all the way up until closing, or you can do um, a date that your financing needs to be done, and then your earnest money goes hard. And uh, I thought one was interesting that they did, um, that the earnest money goes hard, and they put the date of the offer in there. So it was like, hey, we're accepting it. I know we're not totally approved. We know we don't have the appraisal in. We know we don't, the title work is in. But we're stating now that we are approved and it's done and that we're going to release our earnest money to you. And uh, I think that that's another thing that, you know, from an agent standpoint, it's kind of like, wow, okay, these guys are on it, you know. And th- that's the thing. You, you, uh, you're you the agent that you got to remember that whoever you choose that's who's representing you and who there it's, it's a, it's a big thing to a, another agent. Uh, Andy and I are kind of uh, listing heavy, you know, we get uh, a lot of listings and so we deal with it a lot and, you know, you got to look at that agent and how they're prepping their client. And then, you know, it's going to get done because it's one thing I, I could give you everything in the world, but if we're not going to get the deal done, what's, what's it really matter? Do you, do you, are you seeing more of your contracts come in with kind of these creative um, creative offers? Or is it more than not that are coming in with more creative language or creative ideas around around submitting an offer? Or is it is it pretty standard all the time to see some of those creative offers come in on a listing? Andy? Andy doesn't know. Andy, do you want to talk? What's that? His Wi-Fi might be, might I didn't, be a little I didn't low. quite hear the question. Okay. Well, I'll answer it. I, I think as far as uh, what offers are coming in, no. We don't see a lot of creativity, and I think that's the problem. So when you do, um, you really recognize it. And uh, I'll tell you, we just had one that we had um, multiple uh, offers on, and it was very, very interesting. Um this was as interesting as uh, that I've ever actually ever seen. And um, the, it's, it's, it's kind of almost like, do you, like they're practicing like, Hey, we're just going to practice writing an offer and just seeing if it, if it works or it's like, Hey, my buyer needs to lose like three houses before they realize what they have to do. And so I mean, we were getting offers. I'm like, I mean, do you really, really think you have any chance of winning here? You know, they don't say that to them, but it's like, this just makes no sense at all. Well, you got to try, Chris. Everybody ha- everybody gets to shoot their shot. Yeah, yeah but I don't know. It's like, uh, you know, a newborn baby going into box worry. with, a newborn what? baby going to box with Mike Tyson or something. I mean, some of what these offers are, it's like, take your shot, but I mean, at least give it a, a little effort. I mean, well, uh, I can't yeah. discuss I... it, but it's not... It's interesting. I hear you on that. Switching gears uh, just just a little bit since we're we're kind of uh, diving right into the the meteor content today. Um, we are live, obviously, on our Facebook channel as we are. If you're listening to this on the replay every Thursday at eight a.m., I see Andrew is live with us. Good morning, Andrew. If you are watching live with us as we're chatting, feel free to drop comments or questions in the comment section on our Facebook page, uh, on the live video, or um, or ping us if you have a question. And if you are watching live, definitely say hi, because we love to see who's joining us in the live hour. Um, and 
before we move forward, there's one thing that we have to address, which is the fact that you're both wearing the same shirt today. It's our uniform. Your uniform for one week. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Look at this bad boy. How weird is that? Oh my God. I can't believe the two of us melon heads wore the same shirt. It's literally the exact same shirt. I think that's so funny. <laughs> well, Andy, tell them the truth that we, we ordered them together. Apparently our wives shop at the same store. <laughs> Good morning, Eric. <laughs> All right. What's we talking right. about today? All right. It is, it's a, it's an exciting day today. We are chatting about um, the fall market and what's going on with the, the fall market and what you should be doing to prepare your house for sale. If you are thinking about selling in the fall, there's quite a few steps that you can take today to set yourself up for better success. If you are looking to sell in fall or winter or things that you should be doing now before, uh, before that happens. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, oh my gosh, I just lost my, my questions. So we're going to talk about what buyers are looking for in the market and, and what buyer demand looks like and uh, from a numbers perspective. So I think those are all really pertinent, interesting topics. We have a lot of stats that have been coming out about those topics over the last couple of weeks. And I think if we dive into that, that seller section, I think everybody would be happy. All right. We like happy. We like happy listeners. So if you have questions as we're chatting through this this section of the show today uh, about preparing your house for sale in a non-warm season or the non-hot season in Minnesota, definitely drop those and we'll answer them as we go. But Chris, do you want to kick us off with maybe what you're seeing as people are starting to prepare? Since we're seeing more people looking to list than an average year in the fall and winter markets, what should steps should you be taking right now if that may be something you're considering. I think first off, I think you got to consider what the market's going to be like. And um, I, I really believe that we've got a, I mean, a, it's a whole different fall market again, you know, because of the whole COVID and school thing, you know, where a lot of people that would move into the fall, it's almost like, Hey, it, it slows down. Now the kids go back to school and now we can kind of relax and then be able to go look for this house. And that's a lot of people do that. A lot of um, lakeshore type um, homes sell in the fall because people have been, whether it's busy or they just haven't, they're waiting for that right one to come on. And all of a sudden nothing comes on. They're like, we better grab one now, um, you know, because we're going to miss it again and we won't have it next year. So, but I don't know if um, it's going to slow down, you know, depending on what school district you're in, you know, everyone's all over the place. I don't know. Have you guys heard of anyone going full-time all the way through uh, other than private school? I have not. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be some adjustments anyway. So, um, and that makes it uh, sometimes a little hard to get your house on the market. And what is Andy standing up now? Or I think he's trying to adjust his Wi-Fi. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Put that (laughs) on there. So do you I think guess, that do you think because people yes, do no, normally um well do you think that because people normally start looking for homes in late spring and they in the big buying season as well school's out of session do you think that that's just not a consideration now that school is so disjointed 
Um, yeah, I don't. I, you know, I'll, get, I'll jump on that if you guys can hear me. Yeah. I think there's a lot of families that right now are kind of putting their, their plans on hold for just a little bit. Um, they're, they're kind of getting into the, hey, nesting season, as they call it, right? So right before you have the baby, uh, get everything prepared. Well, this is heading into, this might be our first year homeschooling our kids three days a week. And every parent, I'm telling you, every parent I'm talking to is concerned about this. And, and it, of course, if that becomes the front of your attention in your mind, I mean, unless you're literally getting kicked out of your rental property, um, you, you might see the, the fall market for a little while uh, with the big four-bedroom houses paused. Probably not, but I mean, the market's been so good this year. Um, but I know it's on the top of everybody's mind, which usually draws attention and distracts people. Yep. What if you don't have kids? Is this Does this still impact your decision to buy or sell? Not, the only thing that, I mean, impacts, I think, your decision at that time, whether or not there is something to buy, <laughs> you know, and, and if you can get into something. And I think a lot of people have had that issue, um, you know, we're selling their house because typically the houses do sell, um, you know, regardless really kind of uh, what they are, they're, they're going to sell. But uh, we just ran into one the other day where, um, you know, we were showing it and the seller decided, you know, with, through the offer process that they don't want to double move. And you know what, we're going to, you're going to have to wait until uh, we, we find something. I mean, and so it's kind of like, all right, <laughs> um, now do you do it or not do it? My clients decided not to do it uh, because they didn't want to, you know, they, they've got to go too. And so they can't make their decisions. So I think there's just a lot of whether or not there is something to buy for someone um, is kind of a, a big factor for a lot of people. But then there's other people um, that are like, you know what, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll try to rent, but you can't, it's hard to find a rental, you know, because they're trying to maximize what they're getting here. And then they're going to wait and try to get a buy over here. So, and there's still buys out there. There really is. There's some good deals. There's price segments that aren't as good as other ones. Maybe there's some price segments that um, have a glutton or, or it's competing against new construction. Maybe new construction's taking that over. And so you can get some, uh, you know, decent deals as well. And some people are scared still, you know, that's the other thing that I still see that, that people are kind of like nervous. What's going to happen. And, uh, they're kind of like getting prepared for it. Then there's other ones that are not worried one bit. So it's kind of all over the place. And the one I think uh, saving grace here for our market is that the inventory is low. Mm -hmm. It really is because if it was, you know, everyone put all their houses on, I mean, then we'd, we'd start getting in trouble probably. So. So if, if I came to you, speaking of listing your house, if I came to you today and said, I want to list my house in November, what steps would you tell me as a homeowner to make take today to get my house ready for sale or to, or to like kind of get ahead of that uh, for sale date? Yeah. First thing I would do is tell them to get the outside prepared as fast as you can, because we need to get outside photos. Um, I just did two sets of photos uh, because of people that were thinking about doing it later and we wanted to maximize that. So they started on the in outside rather than do it on the inside, but getting those outdoor photos, I think is important. Now it doesn't change that in November that you have to take photos because you gotta, you gotta do it timely as well. If you okay. show something that's totally like, I mean, if you list some, if you took photos in the middle of uh, January and you listed something in July, you'd have snowy 
grass with a new listing coming on in July. So you can't do that, but you need to have what it, when it looks its best so people can see that. Does it make it look like it's been on the market for too long if you if you don't do those updated photos? Totally. Okay. 100%. When you switch seasons, and that's what happens with listings, when you switch seasons, you got to do new exterior photos. You have to. You can keep your nice ones kind of maybe towards the bottom, but if if you don't, and all of a sudden, like you said, you know, you see a perfectly sunny um, picture of a pool and it's uh, Christmas time, you know, that doesn't, it's just like, wow, geez, no one, that one, <laughs> you know, so. Does Andy, Andy. Does Andy speak? Yeah. You're the oh. quietest I've ever heard you. I know, I know. Well, I, I, I actually have to listen and it's really weird. You guys are super informative. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird that, that we have like solid conversation on the show when, when you're quiet. Until today. So no, Andy, what are, what are, what do you think are the most important exterior landscaping photos to get right now? You know, actually it's funny you guys say that because I just had my guys out from Sky Definition this week and we shot some exterior landscape videos. Uh, we went over some of the waterfalls. We went through I've got a couple, uh, I've got a koi pond and a, um, a, uh, a little like a, a, they call a pondless waterfall in the front yard. And so we did some cool shots of that just to give examples. And we're going to be releasing that here at the end of the week. But, you know, the one thing that we, we as like today, I'm sitting out here, it's kind of chilly. As the, as the chill comes into the air in the evenings and the mornings, those flowers start to look fatigued. You don't look quite as pretty as they did a month ago. And so what I always tell people is sneak it in quick. Take pictures, even if it's your own, um, you know, get some pictures of those gardens and, and to show people the potential. I think that that's the key is that if your house is a really well landscaped home, um, that might be the reason why somebody buys your house. So why not showcase that? I, I personally um, also tell people that, hey, your yard's too nice to sell for say in the winter unless you have to. I, there's a lot of times where I advise people to wait until everything looks beautiful to really showcase that property. Um, the usability, maybe the lifestyle it provides and, and allowing people to, to really see it for what it is. Um, Cause if it's cold in winter and you're showing, you know, some eight and a half by 11s and you're saying, Hey, look at these, isn't this beautiful in the spring? Um, I think you might get more for the house. If you had a beautiful video, um, beautiful photography that's online or actually wait until the, tis the season, right? Do you, do you think that people should go out if they have like trails or, or neighborhood amenities that they should go out and capture those things as well prior to the snow falling? A thousand percent. I mean, you always want to get, that's, I mean, Andy's talked about the lifestyle and, and the lifestyle is what, you know, people buy into. And typically they, they give that a lot of value because it's where you want to be. I mean, you can have the best house in the world, but gosh, if I, if I can't do all the other things that I want to do, it's, it's not going to be that great. And so if you can show people, um, we just, we're doing an example of, uh, uh, a neighborhood that has a number of trails and it has a lodge and it has a, uh, a swimming pool and just so showing that type of a lifestyle and there's a golf course that's really close by. And so it's using aerials and pointing all that stuff out in the proximity to your home and where kids can go on the trail um, underneath the road to be able to get to the pool. And so then it's safe. Um, so yeah, all of those kind of things you have to point out for sure. 
Do you think that's more important now than it was prior to COVID because everybody's kind of constrained in terms of what they're able to do and when they're able to do it? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. And I, I call it my marketing. I kind of like, it's a lead them to the conclusion you want them to. So it's not like, hey, dummy, it's COVID season. You, you know, you're stuck in your house. You better move over here. Instead, you know, you show them all that stuff. And then they start thinking, they go, gosh, you know what, this COVID, that would be really great to be able to have a in-home gym and a hot tub. And we have a pool with the neighbors and because we'll never be able to get out of our house. And then they come up with it. And that's where the value comes rather than, you know, telling them, you know, how they have to think. And when they kind of think of it, it, it just makes it a lot um, uh, more attractive to them. So what do you, this is kind I, of I a, too, you're going to have that. Sorry, sorry, Courtney. No, no, you're good. I think you're going to another surge of demand because of the fact that, you know, lifestyles have changed guys. And that's what, if you, if you listen to what you're actually saying, Chris, um, which I normally do not, but today I am, um, it, it is uh, so true, brother. I mean, these people are changing their lifestyles. They're they're They have kids running around and they're trying to work. I mean, I'm shocked that Courtney hasn't had a couple of her kids run through the background. Um, you know, and it's, but it's the way it is now. And, and now I think what will create uh, this new world we're in where people will say, hey, my life has changed. I need to figure out how to accommodate, house everybody, keep everybody healthy, safe, having fun, living a good life the best they can. But um, it's not happening here in our two-bedroom, uh, one-bath house. We, we need to go to, you know, four bedrooms or whatever. And so, uh, or like Chris was talking about, maybe you have a, a version of a sport court in your house or, you know, something that keeps people entertained where, if you can't go to the gym, you have alternatives. You don't have to be a victim. You can actually be proactive and design your world around the world we're in. Do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on um, some agents do some fun marketing with these types of photos, the lifestyle photos where they have someone dress up or participate in some of the shots that they put on the listing? Like I saw one in California with a um, someone dressed up as a Yeti and was in some of the, some of the photos. What do you think of that style of lifestyle showcase? Was that person's name, Andy? <laughs> no, but I'll send you the link. I'll find it and send you the link. It was the best real estate marketing I have ever seen for a listing. It was so funny. Really? What was yeah. the purpose of the Yeti though? What were they trying to? Okay. Uh, I'm going to find it and show you guys. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, Chris, um, like we went out, um, we, we were joking last night a little bit about this too, um, about how video has become like a, a new form of uh, acting and entertainment for some agents. And it, it really is to grab attention. It's they're selling themselves as much as they are trying to earn, you know, um, you know, kind of a relationship with you online. Because when you're shopping for real estate agents, I mean, think about it. From a consumer's perspective, it's really hard. Other than you saying, Okay, well, if that person's number one in their market, but what does number one mean? They, they have a lot of clients. It doesn't mean that they're the best. It's look at the pizza places out there. The biggest chains in the world aren't the best pizza. So it's like, what is your niche or what is, how do you interview and, and get to know people? And I think that a lot of these agents are using the opportunity because video is cheap and easy. Look at us right now. I mean, we're, you know, through Zoom, LinkedIn, through Facebook, through whatever, and we can put a show out there for virtually uh, little to nothing. And, and that's the reality of our new world is that video is going to become a bigger and bigger part of it. And I think as consumers keep consuming that video, um, it's going to be harder to grab attention. And so those creative videos, I think, will be 
more agent showcasing than necessarily the property. Like right now, if also I had a Yeti guy run through my background, it'd be more distracting than it would be enhancing, but it would be funny, right? So you may get more eyes on your Yeti. listing overall. With your, with your internet right. connection, that Yeti would be going really slow, I'll tell you that. You're not, you're not doing very good for Thank moving up for north with that internet connection. So, okay, I found <laughs> some of the pictures. Let okay, me see if good. I can share them on my screen, guys. Um, I think there is because there is a, a, a cross between exactly what Andy said. A lot of times that is, you know, about the agent, but it also shows that, hey, they're creative. <laughs> That's funny. Big foot home. Big foot <laughs> And it wasn't in every photo, but it was it was uh just in a few strategically placed photos throughout the listing. It's memorable. It is that. If you're well, yeah, maybe that's a strategy for if you're struggling to to sell a property or if you're gonna have a harder time selling a property. You know, and, and I think that is the, the marketplace we're in. Like if you, I don't know what the price point is on that house, but I'm guessing it's higher end. A million. Um, and you're, you're going to have What's that? Oh, it's a million dollars. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and that may be high end for that marketplace. Um, you know, and it, it just, it's different. Something to get attention. I haven't really, you know, I don't want to say the word stooped, but I haven't done a lot of that yet, but I'm gonna, um, I did just suggest suggest to you via text yesterday that you demonstrate paddleboarding for that uh, that new listing. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Lake access. I, I can't find a paddleboard of water though when I get on it, but that's okay. Maybe I'll get two. That's why they have actors, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Stunt doubles. So, See, like, that's that's the same shirt. Andy needs a stunt double. <laughs> I think it's funny. You get, the, you get the stomach doubles where Chris and I walk in, and then we walk by with our shirt off, and it's all ripped. We're like, woohoo! <laughs> they have t shirts that do that now. That. <laughs> what? So, so outside of photos, guys, what can people do to start preparing their home if they are, what are the must do things right now? If, if you're looking to sell in fall or winter, they should contact a contractor if they need work done sooner than later. A lot of people uh, procrastinate on that and then it doesn't get done. So the sooner that you can get that stuff done and ordered, uh, if you're listing later in the fall, real, real important, uh, in which to do so. Even I'll tell you what we have, uh, you know, when, once it starts getting to fall and Andy said it, you know, you start losing leaves, you start losing color. Uh, another thing that we do is have them um, seal coat the driveway uh, because yep. it just gives it a stark, uh, a better feel. And a lot of people say, oh, no, you don't do that. You need it for the summer. And no, I mean, this is about selling. And if it's a, a normal house, I mean, obviously a bigger house costs a lot more money to do it, but for two, three hundred dollars, it's a huge impact. You know, it's a because, relatively inexpensive fix. Yeah, and most other people's uh, driveways by that time of the year, they've already done them. You know, and I, I know it has to be at a certain uh, uh, heat level to in which to do it. So that's another thing that you just kind of check into and see when you can get it done, kind of at the latest time. So. 
Those are just but little, I think little, little tricks. Realistic with yeah, the contractors that are out there though right now, you might be ready and you say, hey, I want to you know, actually have you do some exterior painting because that's usually the number one culprit. You know, when we think about it, it's too late. You can't do it. Sometimes they use oil base and they can go a little later and a lot of times painting on the exterior. And then you think, I'll call them today so they can paint it tomorrow. Well, most of those contractors are out two, three, four weeks right now. So reality is you got to call them now to get on the books this year or this fall. So um, thinking ahead is, is, a, is a great strategy, especially with the contractors like painters that are in huge demand right now. And if you don't know what to look for in terms of projects, what are some of the common ones that people would want to tackle or, or consider tackling before they put their house on the market? What's, what's, what am I going to say is number one, Andy? Hey, we have the same shirt. You should know what I'm thinking. What am I going to say? Well, number I know one you thing is the most man, important the, thing. what? You always say paint, declutter, um, clean. I'd say declutter, then paint. I'd say declutter, then clean, then paint. I think yeah. those are decluttering. I think is I read the, your book upside down, Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's that connection yeah. you got. But anyways, decluttering, I think, uh, Courtney, is uh, as important as you can do. Um, you know, a lot of people with big worries with people are storage. And if you can not make them think about storage, you know, it's a it's a lot better. You, you might have little storage and someone might have a ton of storage, but it's packed. They might think that your house has more storage. Yeah. What do you got? Is that that Yeti going behind you, Andy? But yeah, no, I think I think decluttering, um, obviously painting, if you have to paint outside, you know, you probably want to do that in warmer weather than in probably November. And Andy, what do you think about, um, you know, if you're thinking now, people have different reasons why they're selling in November. Um, it's usually there's a purpose to it, but what do you think about using the coming soon on uh, something like that in November? I know we've got what, 21 days yeah. that it can come soon or is it 30? I don't, yeah. I don't know, but we can, it's a, it's a tool with our MLS that lets people know that, Hey, we are going to have this listed. So if you, get your outside pictures, you know, you want to have a picture on it, maybe more um, and kind of get people right. excited uh, about it. Sometimes it, it wears its newness off when you do that, but um, it's, it's another way in which to get it out there, just depending on your circumstance and what you're really trying to do. Is it you wait until November because well, you can't get the work done or is it you wait until November because that's when you're going to move to Florida in January and you're trying to time it. So that's a good question to be asking. Well, and I think that that's, in, in today's market, you can be selfish. You can decide to sell when you want to sell. Because um, I think there's buyers that are willing to buy when you're willing to sell, um, number one. Number two, when you look at like the um, coming soon on the MLS, I think there's a couple strategies I like. At first, I hated it, just to be quite honest with you. I didn't like the idea of having, um, you know, properties where you couldn't market them. It was just made of, like coming soon means it's available to the MLS. I've been told though, that as long as we don't show it and I'm, and check your books, I'm not, don't quote me on this, that you can actually market the properties to the public as well, as long as it's equal access to the real estate agents and that there's not a actual like um, a whole hogging opportunity where you're trying to advertise the property. So 
coming soon creates demand, but in today's market, um, coming soon can actually work and work against you depending on your seller's needs. And so it, it's a, uh, if you put your market up or your house up for sale for a week on coming soon, all the real estate agents know about it, all the consumers know about it. And then if you have a hot property, be prepared for multiple offers. Um, maybe you lay the rules of engagement out on the front end. This is what I'm looking for in an offer. We want to see this, 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 and this. And, you know, in, in this crazy market, sometimes you can get away with that. On the other hand, um, coming soon as a gimmick, um, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I like good old fashioned, hey, here's the property. You put it up for sale. Let the, the best offer win. Um, you know, let the marketplace compete um, and, and get it out to as many people as you can, of course. But the coming soon is just, I don't know, it's, it, I use it. And then sometimes I, I, I don't like using it, but it's, it's there. It's a resource. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's important what you just said, because I think some people, you know, are like robots and say, no, this is what you do. Every, di every listing is different and every circumstance is different. And we have different tools to be able to do that. So coming soon might work well for someone, but it might not work for someone else. So some people say, oh yeah, we always do coming soon. And, and this is why we do it. Well, that doesn't always work for everyone. And uh, sometimes you can hit a coming soon when there's a real, um, uh, like there's not enough inventory in a certain price segment. And if you have something that's coming soon, and let's just say it's in a week or so, you know, um, you, you might create some huge interest. We had one uh, in Eden Prairie that we did. We did it as a coming soon and uh, it was in a good price point. By the time we went on the market, we had 14 showings set up before we went on live. Oh you know, so that, that immediately, and that's, that's kind of the seller up. They know. And I mean, and what the seller decided to do is to say, I'm going to get out of here, you know, leave the lights on and we're just going to leave. And it was really kind of a, a an interesting and uh, very um, organized, organized chaos is really what it was. Because typically when you go on the market, you're, you're all of a sudden getting all these things and you don't, oh my yeah. gosh, they're coming in an hour. Oh, they're coming in three hours. Well, if you know a week ahead of time that you got 14 showings lined up, you know, you know exactly that, hey, I'm going to go up to Madden's with Andy and the Yeti boy in the back, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and well, hey, think about your, Chris, what you're saying is so true because, you know, you hear a lot of these like ads on the radio or and whatever, and they say, hey, we'll sell your house with no showings. That's a perfect example of how you do that. You put your house up for sale on coming soon and you say, hey, on Saturday from 10 to 4, we're going to let everybody come through. So you're basically doing one open house. They're not showings that are random and sporadic throughout the whole week, making your lives absolute chaos. And so I think that is a new tool that I think you will start seeing utilized a lot more um, in a market like it is today. Like, hey, come on in on Saturday. This is your day to see the house. Um, we're reviewing all the offers on Sunday. And um, this is, and we'll let everybody know by Monday at noon. Fair for everybody. Everybody knows the rules of engagement and you do the best you can within the rules to win the game. Flipping the conversation, too, right? guys, a little bit to the buy side. Um, there are some new statistics that came out from Realtor.com and Harris that uh, are talking about what home buyer preferences are looking like going into fall. And what's interesting is that uh, after being asked about buying a home, 55% of consumers are more optimistic today. Um, and 33% mentioned no change due to the impact of the coronavirus in terms of whether or not they would buy a house this year. And that's a, that's a very interesting statistic compared to where we were thinking the market was going back in March when this all started 
bubbling up to the to the surface. But then on top of that, you're looking at 41% of consumers or home buyers accelerating their purchasing timelines. So for people accelerating their purchasing timelines that perhaps would be looking next spring, I've heard several people talk about in just in my own sphere that are looking to buy quite a bit sooner than that fall and winter, which are typically slower times for real estate. Is that something that you're thinking is going to come to fruition in the real estate market this year? I would, I would think that whole stat is totally based on interest rates. Okay. And I think it's because, I mean, people are trying to grab these rates. I was just talking to a client the other day. They're trying to buy their, uh, get their son into a house. And they're like, well, geez, we might just buy something. And then just until we find what we want, just so we can kind of get in at these rates and then maybe we could just rent it out. And so um, that, that, that was interesting, but I think that, I think people have up their timelines and I, I see people that are looking to sell and buy because they're like, geez, I mean, maybe they haven't quite refinanced yet. And they're at, well, I've got an example. They're at 5% right now. And they're looking at, gosh, if I had at 3%, they're thinking about going up a few hundred thousand dollars. And after it's all done and said, their payment's only going to go up a couple hundred dollars to get a, you know, a much nicer home. So um, that's what's kind of, got them to move. So yeah, I think uh, interest rates is a big reason for that. You, Andy? I, I 100% agree with you, Chris. I think that there's a, uh, a surge of people now saying, wow, I can afford what I want. Let's go get it. And even uh, with new construction, the last, I don't know if you guys were kind of watching the news, but the last couple of weeks here now, um, lumber prices have skyrocketed. You're seeing home builders raising prices anywhere from, you know, uh, two to four percent depending on the house and I don't see that softening anytime soon now if you would have been buying your house a month ago and you had your prices locked in and you had these great rates wow even with the price increases though most people look at it and go hey it's 30 bucks more a month for the same house it's still awesome it's still brand new it's still under warranty um and they, and they you know I don't think that slows them down um as much as you'd realize people live in the payment uh long after they forget what they paid for the price right so you know, because it's every month you write that check out or you, have, you transfer money, as they say. So, had a, had a client look at a model that uh, the price now to build that model, which you could get it for, um, you know, to buy that model, these people want to be in a different area, but the difference was almost 9% higher to be able to build it. I That's, mean, it was, that is a huge jump in a short period of time when it's unexpected. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of a, Interesting, but again, as Andy just said, you know, people are justifying it. Yeah, it's more, but geez, I mean, here's what the rates are. You know, I'm gonna. It, it's it's very it's very interesting watching people do it, and that's the other thing. Back to Andy's bagels. I was I was waiting to get to back to his bagel analogy. Because, uh, <laughs> I thought that was there. a really good analogy, by the way. But the thing is, is sometimes I got my bagel. You don't want to go fight for that bagel. See, I'm, I'm going to throw it in here. You don't want to go fight for that bagel. So sometimes you got to go make your own bagels. And that's what the that's what new construction is really providing right now. And it's providing people that I don't have to fight over it. I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, I'm going to pay a little more, but gosh, I'm going to jump in on this and I'm in. And that's, uh, and I think, you know, Andy's been seeing the uh, new construction market um, going crazy. And, and, it, and it's a large due part to what what is happening. Obviously, low inventory, but constantly fighting for offers. I mean, 
you get people that are in some price ranges that are losing three to five times that are just like ready to give up. You know, they get their hearts totally set on it and then they just get, you know, let down again. Then they get excited and then they get let down again. And eventually that's like, uh, 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 no, no more. Do, do you see, that seems to be no. really common in the market. And do you see people that are, that are frustrated with that and, and blaming the market or are they blaming their agent? It's always the agent's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of times, I mean, it, it depends. Oh, I think you've got to set expectations. Um, you, you do have, uh, it's, I mean, and, and sometimes it is the agent's fault. It really is but not all the time. Well, I'll tell you, man, when it comes down to when we have multiple offers and the agents that literally email the offer over, I've never talked to them, don't have a clue. What, what if they got thrown in my spam? How irresponsible are you as a real estate agent just to email over an offer? I mean, my God, you, you, when you do something that lackadaisical, what do you expect? I mean, people nowadays with all of the, uh, the pressure on the marketplace, I would call the agent and say, you know, hey, my offer's coming. And if, if the agent is one of those agents that doesn't like to talk to you, make sure that they confirm via email then. If they want to do it that way, that's fine. Or send me a text back so you don't have to talk to me. God forbid we talk. Um, you know, <laughs> and they want to have that, like, field between us. And and I, I show, you know, and honestly, Chris and I have talked about this before. When agents put up that shield to me, it shows a sign of weakness on their part because they're scared to want to have to negotiate with another agent. And you, in today's market, you can't afford agents like that. You have to have agents that know how to negotiate and love it. And I think that those are the, the successful real estate agents I see out there right now. I think we talk about that, that every week. It so it surprises me that it's it. still, nope. I mean, so many, so many agents listen to our show. It surprises me that they're not taking your advice. Uh, so we <laughs> that fell flat. <laughs> Sorry, guys, my everyone's different. Everyone's my family started jumping on the Wi-Fi. Oh, no worries. Well, we have um, we have quite a few questions from last week to cover, and the first one is: Do you have to stage your home to get the best price? I am very interested in hearing your guys' opinion on this one. I think. I think people, first of all, you have to know the definition of staging um, or what definition someone's putting on staging. And staging to me is positioning your house and positioning your house in a, with what you're competing against. And it doesn't mean that you have to bring in all new furniture uh, and, and make it look like it's never been lived in. So I think it, to me, it depends on kind of what, where the price point is. It also depends on... Um, what type of uh, things that you uh, have in your house already. There's a lot of times that o- overstaging can really confuse someone. Um, I had a great example. This is multiple years ago, but uh, that this house was absolutely very nice, had a lot of built-in stuff, but they had um, un- awesome furniture. Furniture that was very expensive and it was, you know, and people were hard- couldn't see past it. And it was... It was a combination of not really being able to know what was included and what not. And then, oh, there is that cabinet's not attached. That one does stay. And the fact that, hey, gosh, if I had this house probably looks beautiful because of this furniture and there's no way I can afford that. 
And so we made the choice, and this was a million and a half dollar house, to remove all the furniture and get it out of there. And it sold in two weeks. Because oh, people, wow. Yeah, so people were able to see it um, a lot better. And it was, it was very interesting. They looked at me like I was nuts when I uh, suggested it. But uh, they were happy because they could put the furniture in their new house because they had already moved. And uh, they were waiting kind of for it. But it was like, no, I think this will work. And it, and it did. So I think it, it really depends on uh, each house is different. Each situation is different. Um, in the end, I mean, if you're if you had to write an article and say, is staging going to make you more money? Yeah, is staging will make you more money, but you don't have to do it per se. Well, you, Andy. Yeah, I think there's also a, a term that we don't use enough um, called merchandising, and it's different. It's like you, you clean after you clean the house, um, coming in and actually telling somebody, hey, you have to move your seven coffee pot containers off the counters. You got to clean up the countertops. You have to, you know, put away your iron. I mean, that that's kind of just common sense stuff to the average person, but I'm telling you, some people, they need that extra little guidance on there, and that's okay. We all, you know, we all have our own thing going on, right? So um, the, uh, the, the, I think the best advice I could give you is merchandising the house, spacing things out properly, clean, declutter. That's kind of part of that merchandising. And then the staging part comes in. Like I think about new construction where there's nothing in the house. So people sometimes can't visualize like off of a kitchen where there's like maybe a hearth room or something like that. And so when we stage it, meaning bringing in furniture and, and props, if you will, to show people uh, visually how they use the rooms. <clears throat> I think that is essential for like new construction for sure. What are the top three things before staging happens that you guys tell people to get rid of? Like that just the most common things that you tell people to get rid of. Is it pictures on the wall? Is it other types of decor? Yeah. I mean, family, I, you know, the family photos is always kind of a big thing. And if, if there's a shrine you know, and it's age six months, nine months, a year, three years, four years, five years, that you can't have that. But people like to know who's lived in that house, you know, but they also want it to make it their house as well. And it's not like, oh my gosh, look at all the dreams that these people have had, you know, and, you know, they were able to raise all their kids. And one photo kind of makes it like it's cool. But if you, if you do the whole other thing, it just, it's, it's overkill. So I like family photos, but if you have too many of them, you know, it, you, you got to take them around. And if that's what your decorations are, and a lot of people have that of their family. I mean, they're, they're everywhere in every room, you know, it's just that those are the kind of things that we would, you know, uh, uh, declutter. But I also think, um, you know, um, we, we have a thing cause we have our stager that comes in, um, and we don't like them to do anything until our stager comes in because there might be some of that stuff that they you they might like just at a house uh yesterday and uh a big thing is uh the bookcases you can kind of see my um bookcases where uh it's kind of uh that's not a screensaver what's that no that's not no so i'm showing you my bookcase. there's a bat too by the way it's a kirby pocket bat Anyways, but anyways, um, but how, how you put your books on the bookshelf, you know, I mean, just things like that. So we might get them. I mean, um, like our stager, she takes the jackets off all of them. So they all look like books. You know how you have the plastic or the, mm -hmm. the jacket around them. You take them off and it looks just a little more, um, 
uh, the high most end. sophisticated, yeah, and high end. And then you just don't stack them everywhere. You kind of place them in different ways. So it's it's simple things like that. But if you take all the books away because you think you're not going to use them, she's not able to use them. So it's kind of like I I always say just let her come in first, and then uh, we'll see what we use and what we don't, and uh, we'll tell you exactly what it is. So. Question. Andy, you can wear that shirt. What? <laughs> the same shirt as you? Yeah, yeah, he can do he can do that. So uh question number two. I have hollow core doors. Should I replace them? Andrew? Um, I would I would ask what price point. You know, I think that there's um and, and also what's the investment for you? Because if you already have them in the garage and you can it's in your skill set to install them yourself. I'd say go for it. I think it only is going to add value. On the other hand, if you're going to spend a thousand dollars a door from a, a carpenter to come in there and do it for you, I, I might not advise that because I don't know if the ROI is there. But the main doors, it's I think always important. The doors that get touched a lot, the main level, you know, new construction, we used to have that where they'd start with just all the main level doors, then they do all the main level door closets, and then they would go upstairs and do the same thing upstairs, and then um, nowadays, a lot of the, the builders that are out there are doing standard um, solid panel doors because um, the marketplace demands it now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think I think in any case and in any price point, that uh, a solid core or a panel door would look a lot better than a, a hollow core um, oak door. But um, Andy's right in that. You know, most times you don't just take a door and put it on a slab. You know, you have to, you got to match it all up and all that. So typically people want to do the whole casing and everything. Now you have, if you're going to stain them or paint them, you know, you've got the labor in which to do that. Then you got to touch up the walls around that. So um, it, it kind of, it kind of depends. But uh, yeah, I think if you're, if you're a handy person, you can do it yourself. I think it's very uh and those doors cool. are not that expensive. They're not that much. No, no. So, but the, the, I tell you what, if, if you uh, you take a door home, even if it's in a, a frame and everything ready to go, and try to hang that door and make sure it opens and shuts properly and actually functions properly, looks nice, it's a lot of work. It, it really is. That's true. And if you do it wrong, people notice. Well, and here's the other thing, though. Here's getting your house on the market's a lot of work. And I tell people that from the beginning, but your hard work pays off if you do it right. You know, I mean, you're you're on display for everyone. And so you have to do it right from the beginning, because if you don't do it right from the beginning, then it becomes a real pain. And now, you know, that showing, you know, three months, six months down the line, you know, and then you're not really ready for them. And then it's kind of like, oh, gosh, darn it. All of a sudden we got a showing. Now we have to get it ready. And you're not really ready for those people, you know, it, and it just it gets to be even a more pain. So taking your time and doing it right at the beginning, I think is more important um, than just trying to get it on the market. And speaking of speaking of getting your home ready and, and what to invest in as you're getting your house ready for the market, how much should someone spend on repairs to put their home on the market? Andy, do you, I, I kind of, I, I put these into kind of two groups. I say, you know, it's, it's repairs and improvements and it's maintenance. You know, the maintenance thing is something that you should have been doing the whole time. And that shouldn't really count. You know, if you haven't done it and you didn't, uh, 
you know, you didn't clean the furnace and you didn't, uh, you know, and now the furnace is bad or the roof is, you know, 30 years old, you know, those are maintenance type things. Um, and I see repairs and right. uh, as repairs and improvements as a backsplash or those replacing those hollow car doors or new uh, hardware or new plumbing fixtures or a new master bath. That's what I, what, how about you, Andy? And I don't know if there's a real number. Everyone's different. Yeah, you know, I use that, uh, the, the builders, um, Builder Magazine puts out a real nice um, return on investment chart every year. Chris and I have, have shared that with our clients for years and kind of shows you what the percentage of the ROI is. And even in today's market, it's shocking how low the returns are where, you know, you spend like, I think the Midwest, the average kitchen remodel was like $62,000 and there was only like an 82% return. But like Chris and I will say, a brand new kitchen in that house might make your house the one that's the prettiest house at the best price. And now you sell because of it and your neighbor doesn't. So, you know, you have to really put some strategy behind the investment. Make sure that that investment is going to get you an ROI for the market you're in. Um, like Chris and I have talked about too. Hey, let's say that you're down on, you know, an executive neighborhood where it's acreage and you're the only house that doesn't have a pool. And that's the only situation where I've seen where all of a sudden, Hey, to sell this house at you know 2.5 million, you're going to actually have to have a pool and a courtyard or a sport court outside or something to be competitive in the marketplace. So you know, return on investment is an interesting, uh, very individualized and specialized thing based on your neighborhood and your price point. Any final thoughts on today's on today's uh, chat, guys? I do. I think we're yeah. actually going to finish on time. I know. Can you believe it? No, I don't. And maybe is there was there any like something that happened today that was different than the previous eleven years I did this show? Andy didn't talk as much, so now we're on time. <laughs> That's actually true, but <laughs> I think we're doing a good job of splitting up our segments a little more and and moving on to the next thing. He's trying to talk again. <laughs> It's because his bandwidth is low. I keep getting a little notification. Andy Prasky's bandwidth is low. So, so it's taking an extra second for him to hear us. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> That's uh, Did you guys hear that? Yeah, we hear you. you oh, he froze. Goodbye. He froze, which means it's a good time for us to go through our little ending promo. Um, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are also live on every podcast platform that you may prefer from iTunes to Google Podcasts to Spotify and everything in between. Um, give us a listen there. If you miss a show, they are all up the day after we go live. If you have questions for us, please share them with us. Submit to me, Courtney at AmplifyUp.com or to our Facebook page, Real Estate Radio Hour.com. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Oh, I think we just lost our, lost the team. Bye guys. Oh. Uh.